Hello and welcome to the Automotive News Europe podcast for February 3rd, 2022. I'm your host, Doug Bolduck, Managing Editor at a Thanks so much for joining us today. Magna International's close relationships with global premium brands BMW, Mercedes, and Jaguar have made it attractive to startups looking to make their mark in the automotive sector, such as Fisker and ArcFox. That is why the number of inquiries Magna gets each year for contract manufacturing and engineering help has risen to roughly 100 from less than a dozen a decade ago. Those figures come from Kurt Bachmeier, who is Vice President of Sales and Marketing at the supplier's contract manufacturing arm, Magna Steyr. He says Magna gets so many inquiries now that it's created a bank of resources for startups that can best be described as an introduction to automaking. While many potential customers have a lot to learn about how to get a product on the road, Bachmeier says that working with startups has been extremely beneficial to Magna because the newcomers challenge every aspect of the process. And, as long as there's no conflict of interest, Magna shares these ideas with its more established customers, resulting in benefits for everyone. Hi, Kurt. Thanks so much for being here today for the Automotive News Europe podcast. Hi, Doug. It's a pleasure to be here with you today, and I'm looking forward to an interesting discussion with you. How many... Contract manufacturing inquiries does Magnesteyer get each year? And can you tell me a little bit about from what parts of the world they're coming from and maybe how that has changed over the last five to 10 years? So we get approximately 50 inquiries a year, basically focuses on pure manufacturing. In total, we have round about 100 inquiries approximately a year including engineering and compact manufacturing. Actually, those inquiries are really, at this point in time, coming from all over the world. So from the North American side, through Europe, all the way through Asia, including, meanwhile, we have inquiries from Australia and South Africa as well. So very interesting. To your second part of your question, clearly with the change in the automotive industry that started uh, years ago and will continue on, disrupted by trends to create a cleaner and safer mobility that inquiries really increased big time, mainly driven by new entrants who are trying to obviously enter the automotive market. Because of this huge increase, you folks created what amounts to a car making 101 resource that you have made available to startups. This helps them become a little bit better prepared before you start engaging with them in conversations about how this process goes. Can you give me a little bit of background on the creation of this Car Making 101 and how you have found it to be beneficial when it comes to helping these interested parties get themselves a little bit more organized so you can serve them the best you can? Before I give you an answer on that, I just wanted to give you some background on new entrants because what we do see and what we have seen is there are two different kinds of new entrants. There are on one hand established companies, established organizations that are trying to expand their product portfolio and want to enter into the automotive market, into the automotive industry. While on the other hand, we have companies like Fisker 
that are real startup and the real new entrant that have not uh, been in business before. So the big difference between those two individuals is that the one company has already established processes and established organization and needs support with uh, all the processes involved of creating a vehicle, creating mobility and entering the automotive market. When we talk about the other startups and new entrants, it's even bigger because it also includes supporting them, establishing an organization and that starts really from finding uh, investors, financial management, all the way through along the process chain to really bring their vision to reality. So this spans uh, several areas, as I already said, from financial management, defining targets, all the way through vehicle engineering, supply chain management to manufacturing. And what we have recognized in the discussions that we are having with those uh, companies over the last couple of years is that having the right information and education is key when it comes to planning and prepare for such an adventure. For that, we have developed a pool of resources. Uh, we have developed checklists and white papers to help these companies to do their homework and conduct all of the necessary preparation work that is available. And this is what we are trying to do with our car making one-on-one -on -one that you did refer to. So basically from what do I need before I approach investors? What do I need to get obviously people excited to fund my business all the way through? How do I actually want to do manufacturing? How do I approach the supply base? That's all included in our white paper and our blog that we're trying to support those companies with. Is there a very common question that you get from the startups? Something that is very recurring that they're always asking you and, and how do you help them with that? The bottom line question always is how much does it cost? How much does it take to get from A to B? Obviously, many of them are highly surprised how much resources, both financially as human resources, are required to actually bring their vision from uh, basically an idea to reality. And this is, this is part of the, the first key, obviously, discussions we have with companies when they approach us, uh, basically making them understand what it takes to create a vehicle and to bring a product into the market. I know it varies from customer to customer, but if you are starting from scratch and you come to you folks and you're looking for the full palette, are we talking about a seven, eight digit type number? Roughly, what are you talking about in cost? I would say on an average, if, if you do an, let's say an average electric vehicle, you definitely need around a billion US dollars to basically get your vehicle into the market. However, that does not include to basically market and sell your product. So basically what it, what it gives you is a product uh, that will sit at a assembly facility, ideally at our assembly, one of our assembly facilities. And from that on forward, you also need uh, dollars to support all the marketing initiatives to build a brand, create a brand, and also sell the vehicles, service the vehicles, and obviously support the customer, the end customer along the way. But again, $1 billion, that's really an, a rough number that you need to calculate with. Thank you for sharing that, because I think it really sharpens the point that this is not just something that you can take lightly. And Kurt, when you introduce that large number, 
Do you have in your boardroom some cushions or beanbag chairs for people to fall into, or are they already prepared for that level of, of cost when they come to you guys? No, it really depends, again, what kind of new entrance actually is in the opposite of you. Basically, there are new entrants that have already a core team on board with automotive experts, so people who have been in the automotive industry. So they are aware of that it costs some money and it takes some resources to get the product into the market. Then you have other companies that have not even thought about what it takes to do an automotive project. And they are definitely, I would say, overwhelmed with the numbers that we share with them. Magnastar President Frank Klein told me last year that you folks often have to turn people away simply because they're either not ready or they just don't fully comprehend the magnitude of the task that they're about to engage in. Can you tell me a little bit about how you guys decide, okay, you folks, we feel like we can continue the relationship with, that we can move forward with, or and maybe how many you guys have to say, okay, all right, sorry, you're not quite there yet, but if you do A, B, and C, we can start the conversation again. Can you maybe give me some idea on the, the percentages on that? I cannot actually give you a percentage. It, it basically also varies whether we strongly believe in the product, is the USB, is the technology that fits to the Magna overall corporate strategy, what we want to achieve uh, over the next couple of years. Uh, it also depends on uh, how serious those companies are, the individuals are. So it, it, it really, it's, it's a come and go. So there are companies that when they, when they get the number from us, uh, they obviously are overwhelmed and say, well, thank you, we try a different approach. There are companies that say, well, we have not thought that it's that high amount and that many resources available, but they continue to work with us to better understand it. And then at the end, it's, it's also always dependent whether they are successful to raise the money they need to actually uh, execute the program. So it's not always us basically telling them or turning, turning the, the discussion down or stepping away from them. It's also a matter of how successful are they to, to get the investors on board and to move forward into the next phase of a program realization. I wanted to circle back to something that you had said that was really interesting, which was the, uh, the huge increase in the number of folks that are actually making the inquiries in the last few years. In the past, maybe it was 20 inquiries a, a year to now it's around 100. It's hard to tell, but I would say about 10 years ago, if we take the last decade, 10 years ago, there have been one or the other company uh, that we would call a new entrance today. Uh, but the majority of our business was really based on traditional OEMs uh, and not so much focused on new companies being established or trying to enter the automotive market. Definitely with the trend that we see in the automotive, in the automotive industry, electrification, digitalization, uh, providing a, a cleaner mobility moving forward. I think that really pushed uh, a lot of people and promoted the, the, the whole dynamics that we currently see that people are trying to enter the automotive market. So uh, clearly I would say 10 years ago, probably to give you a number, probably maximum five to 10 inquiries a year uh, and currently, we really have 100 inquiries a year. And again, 100 inquiries a year that includes both uh, engineering a product and manufacturing a product. 
One of your new customers is Fisker, and Magna will start production of the Fisker Ocean this year. Could you tell us how Magna was able to get this contract and what have been some of the most interesting parts of the journey from the idea phase to nearing assembly? Clearly, what uh, basically made us able to win the contract and to win Fisker as a customer was a very strong relationship and collaboration right from the beginning. We actually have been in contact with Fisker for more than two years before we actually formally kicked off the program in July 2020. So there have been lots of discussion with Fisker for a long period of time before we actually concluded, or Fisker concluded, he wants to move forward with Magna. And clearly being able to provide a one-stop shop approach, meaning doing everything from engineering all the way through manufacturing at a very, very high proven quality level did make a huge difference for Fisker and basically made the decision for Fisker to go forward with Magna. How soon will we see vehicles either from perhaps a Chinese automaker or perhaps from uh, VinFast, which has been making a lot of news as of late, rolling off the lines in the Graz plant? Can you give us any indications as to where you might be heading in that regard? Uh, well, Doug, as you know, the market is very dynamic. We're already producing vehicles in China for ArcFox, as an example. We support WinFast, since you mentioned WinFast. Uh, with their product as well. But as of today, we don't have any contracts agreed yet. We are clearly open for all customers from all over the world. And it's true for both uh, new entrants and, and, and traditional automakers. How does your deepening ties with startups benefit your relationship with existing companies such as BMW, Mercedes and Jaguar? It actually really benefits the relationship because what new entrants typically do, they challenge everything along the way. As I mentioned before, they have limited resources in, in general. They have a need to bring the product to market very, very fast in order to generate sales and revenue. And with that, they are questioning if all the steps are really necessary, all the standards that currently exist in the automotive industry. So they're challenging us, how can we get faster? How can we get quicker our products into the market? And with that, obviously, uh, we take that challenge. Uh, we challenge ourselves and those are lessons learned uh, that we get out of those uh, engagements with those new entrants that we can then apply on programs that we do with traditional automakers such as BMW. Is there also still quite a bit of interest in using your services from the established traditional automakers? We talked a lot about startups, but I don't want to miss the opportunity to ask you about how things are going with the, uh, the traditional brands. We have a long-lasting, very good relationship with traditional automakers, not just the three German ones, but also with many, many more around the globe. And those relationships are continuing and will continue. Wanted to also get your feedback. We're just at the start of 2022. What kind of a year do you anticipate we're going to have? It's really looking in the crystal ball, Doug. It's, I really don't want to make, make, make any, any statements here because it, it's hard to tell. I mean, we clearly are 
trying to have our finger on the balls, trying to forecast this year as best as possible, uh, trying to understand uh, when do we get over the shortages of material. As you probably know, it's not just chip shortages. We see shortages on for other materials as well. Magnesium is definitely one that we will have a focus on for the next months to come. So it's pretty, pretty difficult to really make a thorough forecast what this year will bring in Europe. In, in general, I think I'm personally, and we here at Magna Steyr, Magna, very optimistic that there will be positive, positive trends and that we will see that we will get over those issues. But how long it will take to finally get there, I, I can't really tell. Well, Kurt, it's been an absolute pleasure to sit down with you and have a discussion about all these hot topics that are going on in the automotive industry. I want to thank you so much for joining us today for the Automotive News Europe podcast. Thank you very much, Doc. We reached Kurt Buckmeyer at his office in Graz, Austria. If you have an idea for a future podcast or would like to be a guest on the show, please reach out to me at dbolduck at autonews.com. For breaking news, please visit europe.autonews.com. You can listen to this podcast and a wide range of others from the Automotive News Group on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Play, or on our website at europe.autonews.com. That wraps up this episode of the Automotive News Europe podcast for February 3rd, 2022. I'm your host, Doug Bolduck, Managing Editor at a &E. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope you'll tune in again next week.